On today's episode of the Blue Bloods, September 5th, we'll dive into week two college football matchups. Uh, we have our introduction to a few new segments. We're going to give our game predictions for the best matchups on the weekend, at least in our opinion. Uh, predict which teams will be upset. Uh, we'll give our storyline of the week, and we're going to wrap it up with our big 10 rankings. Uh, so let's go ahead and get started. start this podcast off or this episode off with uh, a segment that we like to call pick six so we realized that with our last episode or well our last preview episode that we just chose nine matchups and we ran through them for about an hour um with, with no breaks and i realize that's a lot for our listeners to handle uh so what we're going to do each week from now on in our preview episodes is we're going to give our analysis on six matchups that we think are the best matchups of the weekend uh so let's go ahead and get this one started uh, we have a matchup between West Virginia and Missouri this weekend, starting on Saturday at noon. Um, any thoughts on this one, Zach? Yeah, it's it's a very interesting matchup with both teams having horrible imp- first week impressions last week. West Virginia scraped by D two team and James Madison twenty to thirteen, managing only thirty four yards rushing, which is an embarrassing performance for week one for a. Division one team that last year was in the running for a playoff spot. Right. Um, and you see them, you know, they lost a lot of players to the draft last season. Uh, Will Greer, for instance, their quarterback. Uh, so we're, we're seeing a recovering West Virginia team this season, at least. But West Virginia is not the only team that struggled last week. We saw Missouri lose uh, to Wyoming in Wyoming last weekend. Uh, this kind of stunned a lot of people. I mean, they lost 37 to 31 with Kelly Bryant at quarterback. Yeah, and it really wasn't their offense. Um, Kelly Bryant accounted for 423 yards just passing and two touchdowns. Um, It seems like they have a lot of defensive problems, and they have to figure that out before SEC play. Um, I'm assuming they're going to come out, at least I would imagine, the defense will come out on a mission. And they're facing a West Virginia team that, managed under 300 yards total against the D- division two team. So this is the type of matchup that I think the Missouri defense has been looking forward to. Right. Um, coming into this game, or at least at the time of recording, we see Missouri as a 14 point favorite. Um, you know, I, I'm going to go ahead and predict. I think that Missouri wins this game, but they don't cover the spread. Uh, West Virginia. I think that they can pull out a close loss. Um, so this game's at Missouri, which or it's in Columbia, so uh, that will account for part of Missouri's victory this weekend, but I don't think that they pull out a huge victory, and that's due to their defense. Yeah, I actually have Missouri covering the spread um, and coming out with a win. I think Kelly Bryant, um, being the leader that he is, having the experience he is, is going to rally this team. I think they have something to prove. They realize that losses to Wyoming – is not going to get them to where they need to be. They had a lot of distractions this offseason with the probation and the punishment that was handed down by the NCAA. 
And I think they're going to come out on a mission. I think the defense is going to be motivated. I think Kelly Bryant's going to continue his dominant offensive ways that he showed last week. And I think Missouri covers the spread, and this game isn't even close in the second half. All right. Uh, to continue on, uh, another matchup that is going to be Saturday at noon Eastern time is going to be Cincinnati at number five, Ohio State. Um, Ohio State looked good last weekend. Uh, we saw their quarterback, Justin Fields, come out and just put on an absolute show. Uh, what do you think about this game? Um, I, This is a intriguing game to me. Cincinnati looked really good last week, um, beating UCLA. At, um, at home last week, they only allowed 62 rushing yards, which is great because Ohio State has a great running back in uh, J.K. Dobbins. So if I'm the Cincinnati defense, I would imagine that they need to make Justin Fields beat them because Justin Fields last week really didn't play anybody. The defense of FAU had a lot of breakdowns and Justin Fields has hit wide open wide receivers. There's still some doubt about can he be can he be productive against a good defense and the Cincinnati defense has been good for a few years now so this is a real big test for Justin Fields. Right, um, and not only with that storyline, but we also see Cincinnati's head coach Luke Fickle return to Ohio State for the first time uh, since his departure. Um, Luke Fickle has deep roots in this Ohio State program. Uh, he played for them. Uh, not only that, but I mean, he was their de- he was their co-defensive coordinator um, for a while, and he even served as interim head coach in 2011. Uh, I think he's coming in here with a chip on his shoulder, uh, looking to prove something. And I think this is a Cincinnati team that that has a lot of potential, um, and it's for that reason that I say I think that Ohio State wins this game. It's a 16 and a half point spread. Uh, I think Cincy covers that. I don't think that they can beat. I don't think Ohio State beats Cincy by more than two touchdowns. I I agree. I have Ohio State pick for this game, and I do not have them covering. I teetered on picking Cincinnati for this game, but I think Ohio State still has too much talent, and the game is in Columbus, and I don't see Cincinnati coming into Ohio State's home stadium and pulling off the upset this early when they have that much talent. Right, and with that said, um, you know, I did say that Cincinnati would cover – you know, I'm going to hold true to that. I think that Desmond Ritter, uh, their quarterback, is uh, he's shown a lot of potential. Even you know, last season and even in Week One against UCLA, uh, he went 18 for 26 with 242 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, you know, and he played good against this UCLA defense. At you know, obviously Ohio State's a whole different animal, but uh, I'd like to see what he can do against Ohio State, and I think that he puts up pretty decent numbers still. Not completely. Um, I think he is the X factor for Cincinnati. And um, I really think Justin feels the X factor for Ohio State. So I think it's going to be a QB versus QB battle. And the quarterback that makes the most plays at the end of the game will win this game. Right. Um, and I do believe that will be Justin Fields. I mean, just come, just seeing him come out last weekend uh, with four touchdowns in the first 10 minutes of this game against FAU. You know, it is Florida Atlantic. So I'm not going to put, you know, I'm not going to put too much weight on that. But I, you know, Seeing his performance last week was very impressive, um, and I, you know, I can't just throw that to the side. Agreed. And the other thing to think about is um, the new head coach for Ohio State. He's trying to get out of Urban Meyer's shadow, and he's trying to prove that he belongs 
And if he can't even beat Cincinnati with the talent that Urban Meyer has collected at Ohio State, I feel like his tenure at the school will not be as long as many people think. Oh, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, any more thoughts on this matchup before we move no, on? No, I don't, I don't think so. I just think Ohio State has too much talent for Cincinnati, and I don't, I don't see a way that Cincinnati can actually pull off the upset this week. And moving on to our next matchup, uh, this one will be Saturday at 3.30 Eastern time. Uh, we have our first big matchup of the weekend. It's number 12, ex- uh, Texas A&M at number one, Clemson. Uh, this is a very close game last year, uh, and this is a game that, you know, I think that Texas A&M comes in with a chip on their shoulder looking for revenge. And so I think this will be a great matchup. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think the most interesting thing, the first thing that caught my eye about this matchup is it being a 2.30 kickoff. Um, if you ask most coaches, I'm assuming for games like this, you would like to have a night game. Um, and Death Valley has to show up and make this environment difficult for the Texas A&M team. So that's the first thing that caught my eye. And the second thing that I think needs to be addressed in this matchup is how well Kellen Mond, the quarterback for Texas A&M, played last year. The kid was just making play after play and really kept this A&M team into the game and really should have won it if it wasn't for a late fumble out of the back of the end zone. Right. Um, and we see Texas A&M scoring late in this game uh, last season. We see them with their comeback. Um, and really, this game was one two-point conversion away from from being uh, drawn out into overtime. And we've seen what Texas A&M can do in overtime versus LSU last season. Uh, this isn't a squad that can give up uh, very quickly at all. I think Jimbo Fisher is the X factor for them. Uh, Kellen Mond, their quarterback, is also going to be another X factor. Um, you know, last weekend we see him throw for against Texas State. We see him throw for 194 yards and three touchdowns before being replaced. Uh, you know, he's a dangerous quarterback, and I think that he can really lead them on a strong charge this weekend. Yeah, definitely. And Kellen Mond's biggest thing is. No turnovers. If you set this Clemson, this Clemson offense is going to be hard enough to stop just normally. But if you give them good field position and you give this team momentum, you saw how quickly he get out of hand against Alabama last year in the national championship. Tua had two interceptions, and that game was over at halftime. So Kellen Mond has to make sure that he keeps his team in this by not making turnovers. And that doesn't necessarily mean scoring on every drive, but just at least move the ball and don't let this Clemson offense get out there and wear down that A&M defense. Right. And I won't go as far to say that Kellen Mond is a better quarterback than uh, than Trevor Lawrence by any means. But in this first week matchup, we definitely see a better showing from Kellen Mond. Um, Trevor Lawrence looked a little shaky this past weekend, uh, throwing one touchdown, two interceptions you know, against a Georgia Tech team that, you know, you know, let's be let's be honest here. I think that he should have performed a lot better than he did. Yeah, especially against the Georgia Tech defense that was changing schemes and had a whole new coaching staff. You would expect the prohibitive Heisman favorite to not have a uh, less than two hundred yards passing and two interceptions. That's not what you would expect, but. Um, I believe that for this game, Travis Etienne is a bigger X factor than Trevor Lawrence. Um, I think this everything Trevor Lawrence 
has been doing has been helped by Travis Etienne just being so explosive. Um, A&M has to focus on not not letting Etienne explode for games. He can get to 100 yards, I think, but you can't let them, him bust out those 60, 70, 80, or even 90 like he did last week yard runs. If he can break those, it's going to open up the passing game for Clemson, and this offense is going to be almost impossible to stop. And if that's the case, I think this game could, could get ugly being in Death Valley. Right, and I absolutely agree with that. I think that uh, I think that Travis Etienne has to step in a big way, but I also think that Jayshon Corbin, um, Texas A&M's running back, needs to be a big factor in this game for Texas A&M to even have a shot. Uh, we saw last week uh, Corbin with 22 touches for 103 yards. Um, he averaged five yards per touch. I mean, that's not something that's going to break the record books, but that's a very consistent back. He's a very big back. It's six feet tall, 210 pounds. Um, and I think that if he if he pulls out what he did against Texas State last weekend, or even if he comes out with a bigger game this weekend, uh, this could show huge problems for Clemson defense. Yeah, definitely. And the another big thing is, can the A&M offensive line keep Kellen Mond from being under pressure? Um, if they start giving up three, four sacks, I think if Clemson gets to three to five sacks in this game, that there's going to be no way for AM to win because Kellerman's going to have to have time to make plays down the field in the passing game. He can't do everything with his legs. Um, he needs to be able to make plays with his legs, but that can't be all the offenses, and especially in a high-profile game like this. Right. Um, and in my notes, I wrote that both defenses will have to come up big, um, and the team with the better defense, in my opinion, wins this matchup. And I do think that is Clemson. So I have Clemson winning this game. Uh, it's a 17 and a half point spread, which I think is a bit, you know, it's a bit much uh, for for this Clemson team, especially uh, coming off of a matchup with Texas A&M last year, where we saw that Clemson barely scraped it out by two points. Um, game should have gotten in overtime, honestly. Uh, so I obviously think that Texas A&M covers this spread. I think this is a very close game. Yeah, I don't understand how. Um you play the number 12 team in the country and be favored by almost 20 points. Um, I think that speaks more to how good people think Clemson is rather than they don't think A&M is a good team. But I don't see Clemson covering, but I do see Clemson pulling this game out. I think Travis Etienne is going to be too much for them to handle, and late in the game, Trevor Lawrence is going to be able to open up the passing attack, and A&M is not going to be able to keep up with the firepower that Clemson has. Right. I, I 100% agree with you there. Um, any more thoughts on this matchup before we move on? No, I don't think so. I just think at the end of the day, Clemson is the overall just better team. Right. Uh, so moving on, we have the college game day. Um, we have college game day of the week, which is number six LSU at number nine Texas. Uh, this is Saturday at 730 Eastern time, 630 Central. Um and I'm gonna try to be as unbiased as I can with this with this matchup, but it's gonna be it's gonna be hard for me. So I'll let you start. Yeah. Um, so in my opinion, I think LSU has more talent than Texas. Uh, I really think that overall the change to a spread offense has helped Joe Burrow grow as a quarterback. I think they still have the best defensive uh, defensive back in the country in Grant Delpit. Um, he needs to come up big. He needs to have an interception to two. 
he needs to make sure Sam Ellinger does not open up on this LSU defense, especially playing at home. Take the crowd out of it. Big interceptions are one of the biggest swings in college football, so that will take the crowd immediately out of it. And Joe Burrow must play a game similar to how he played against Georgia last year, where he was making plays with his legs. He was making plays through the air. He led the offense to almost a perfect game. And we need to see that Joe Burrow and not the Joe Burrow we saw in the big game against Alabama last year. No, I definitely agree. Um, You know, I think that Joe Burrow and Sam Ellinger are both Heisman contenders. Um, But honestly, and trying to be as unbiased as I can, I think that Burrow's the better quarterback here. Uh, Last weekend, for instance, you know, we see we see LSU playing Georgia Southern, um, Texas playing Louisiana Tech. Uh, both of these teams are almost of the same caliber. Uh, Georgia Southern may edge them out by just a bit. Uh, we see Joe Burrow going 23 for 27 with 278 yards and five touchdowns before he got pulled from this game. Uh, we see Sam Ellinger going 28 for 38, uh, 276 yards and four touchdowns. These are both very, uh, you know, th- these numbers are very similar. Um, and I, I think that these quarterbacks are very similar, uh, frankly. But you know, I, I do think that Joe Burrow is the more talented quarterback, um, and, and I'd love how to I'd love to see how they both play against uh, you know two defenses that are are pretty good. I think that Texas has the best defense in the Big Twelve, and I think it's uh, not even really close. Yeah, I mean they don't have much competition. To be honest with you, we just got done last episode talking about how uh, horrible Oklahoma's defense is, but. Uh, I really just, and everyone knows if you listen to our last episode how high I am on LSU, and I'm not as high on Texas as everyone knows. I'm picking Oklahoma to win the Big 12. I actually think LSU covers the six and a half point spread and actually wins this game by double digits. I think the defense gets the best of Sam Ellinger early, and they just and Texas can never close that gap because I think LSU's offense is really going to shine in this game. I don't see Texas's defense being able to slow them down. I see LSU being able to run the ball and throw some RPOs and get Joe Burrow in a rhythm. And I see LSU kind of pulling away with this game. Right. Um, and I think a big factor in this game is going to be LSU's offensive line. Uh, this is kind of their point of weakness. At least it was last season. Um, and looking at last week, which, you know, we can't put a ton of weight on this because they played Georgia Southern, but you know, their offensive line looks much improved from last season, even when they played, you know, out of conference teams that were the same caliber as Georgia Southern. Uh, we see less shakiness from this offensive line. Uh, looks like they have a little bit more experience. And so LSU is looking like a more complete package than they were last season, which could be dangerous for this Texas team. Um, and like I said, we don't know much about either team just because of who they played last weekend. Uh, this game could be up in the air for all I know, but you know I, I will put LSU as the winner in this in this matchup, and I do think they cover the spread. Um, I don't think they win by double digits, but I do think they win by a touchdown. Yeah, and the Texas crowd, just like we talked about with Death Valley, has to show up and make this a ruckus, loud, passionate, energetic environment. Um, but at the same time, the Texas players and the offense has to make sure that the crowd stays in the game because I feel like if LSU jumps out early like I think they will, I think the crowd's going to get out of it, 
and I, I think that could spell trouble for Texas. Right. Um, and to touch on Sam Ellinger one more time, uh, you know, he had an insane season last year. Uh, of course, he's a Heisman candidate, and I do think that he's a very good quarterback. But we can't forget that he did put up these numbers in a majority in a majority of these games were Big 12 games. Um, so I, I don't know how we're so quick to forget how how bad these defenses in the Big 12 really are. Uh, and, and that's not to put, you know, that's not to say that he's not a good quarterback. I think he's a great quarterback. But we do have to remember at the end of the day that he was putting up these numbers against Big 12 defenses. Yeah, and that's why I would give the edge to Joe Burrow as the better quarterback just because the caliber of teams and defenses he played last year is, I would say, significantly greater than the type of teams that Sam Ellinger played. The closest they got to play is an unmotivated Georgia team in the Sugar Bowl. And we saw Joe Burrow rip apart Georgia when they were still in contention for a national championship. So I think that is a big, like some big evidence of why Joe Burrow should be considered the better quarterback. Right. Um, one last thing I'd like to talk about for this matchup, uh, and this is kind of this is kind of to the side, but we see Texas come out uh, to the warm-ups last week with shirts that said there's only one DBU. Uh, this is an obvious jab at LSU, who is dubbed DBU for obvious reasons, uh, reasons like Patrick Peterson, Tyron Matthew, Morris Claiborne, Greedy Williams, and now Grant Delpit. Um, <laughs> and so seeing these shirts um, you know, on national TV – yeah, I couldn't help but laugh a little bit. Um, and you better believe that when LSU pulls out this victory this weekend, we will be making T-shirts that say there is only one DBU, but they'll be in purple and gold. Yeah, um, as a, as the neutral party in this um, in this matchup, I would have to say that I wouldn't even put Texas in my top five of the best defensive back producing universities in the country. No, um, I mean, it's not you, even close. <laughs> yeah, you would have to put LSU, Florida, Ohio State. Ohio State. I would put Alabama before Texas with people like Mika Fitzpatrick coming out of there. Um, I think there's a whole list of schools that have a much stronger claim to DBU than Texas. Um, it feels like kind of a reach. Um, I feel like you probably should pick a position that you think you can outdo LSU in, but personally, I don't know if you can actually find that other than maybe quarterback because LSU was played with the Jamarcus Russell, but um, other yeah, than that, he was good I don't... in college. <laughs> That's true. He brought he, I, he was very good in college, but That's seventy yards on one knee. <laughs> I understand. I understand, but yeah, it just seemed like a, a petty jab from Texas, but I think it might come back to bite them. Right, um, and the first T-shirt that I make will be sent for free to Grant Delpit. Uh, moving on from this matchup, we have uh, we have Miami at uh, at UNC at Saturday. This one's going to be at eight o'clock Eastern Time or seven o'clock Central. We're in Central Time Zone, uh, just for clarification for anyone who doesn't know. So I will be reading these times in Eastern Time, but you know, we are Central Time, so maybe in the future we'll change that. Um, any thoughts on this matchup? Yeah, I think this is a must-win for Miami. Um, starting out 0-2 would be one of the absolute worst-case scenarios for this team. Um, you saw them almost pull out a game against Florida in Week 0, 24-20, and they should, probably should have won that game. 
their offensive line was absolutely terrible. And I think that is one of the biggest things to look at for this matchup is they had a bye week last week. How much did that O-line mesh and improve? Because if they didn't improve much, this is going to be a rough game for them facing a UNC team that just beat North Carolina and had a 17-point comeback at a neutral site against a strong SEC opponent. Right. Um, And for this matchup, I have UNC picked to win. And uh, honestly, I think that they cover the spread. Well, they don't only cover the spread. They win this matchup outright. Uh, Miami comes into this game a a four-and-a-half-point favorite. And after seeing what Sam Howell is capable of last week, uh, I think that it's no doubt that UNC comes in this game at home and they they light up the scoreboard and they beat this Miami team by a good margin. Yeah, I was actually very surprised when looking at the spread of this game. Um, if you would have asked me before I looked at anything, I would have totally thought UNC would be the favorite after the performance last week and seeing how rusty and rough around the edges Miami was. Um, I agree with you that Sam Howell's the X factor for this matchup. Um, as long, I mean, he had no turnovers last week. That needs to stay the same. And he just needs to be his his consistent self and just keep improving a little bit each week. And if he does that, this UNC team is going to be tough to beat late in the season. Um, I also have UNC winning um, just outright. I think I think this the fact that it's in North Carolina is even just more reason to pick this USC team. But even if it was in Miami, I believe I would have to pick USC for this game. No, and I definitely would too. Um, I think that UNC is coming off of a hot finish at South Carolina and that this team will be hot starting up for this uh, matchup against Miami. Um, you know, this is, you know, that come from behind victory uh, scoring 15 points in the second, or I'm sorry, in the fourth quarter of this game. Um, they finished off hot there was a lot of emotion shown from their coach at the end of the game, uh, talking about how they've how they've been focusing on fourth quarter play uh, for the last you know for the past season, for this off season, for last season even. Um, and so I think this is a very hot team that believes they can do anything, and that that's a dangerous team, uh, especially with Sam Howell taking the snaps uh, and playing against another freshman quarterback in Jaron Williams from Miami, who didn't have a strong outing last or two weekends ago against Florida. No, he did it, and and I'll put that more on his, his on his offensive line. But if his offensive line looks better and he doesn't put up big numbers like I think he can, then that whole narrative is going to change, and I don't know if he's the answer for Miami moving forward into next season or even the next season. Right. No, I agree with that. Um, and, and ultimately, I think that sloppy play by Miami will be the thing to cost them this matchup. Uh, I think that they, they beat themselves in this one um, and that UNC ends up winning this game because Miami is making mistake after mistake like we saw against Florida. Right. And just a side note, um, if UNC pulls out this game, watch them in the upcoming ACC championship race. Um we saw back, I believe it was 2016, before Clemson went to the national championship, UNC took them down within three points and almost had a chance to win that game in the ACC championship. So with even Sam Howell's a true freshman, but so was Trevor Lawrence last year, this team could be a sleeper team in the ACC, and people need to start keeping an eye on them. Right. Uh, any more thoughts on this matchup? 
No, I think that's it. <laughs> right. All right. Our last matchup for our pick six, uh, we've chosen number 23 Stanford at USC. Um, and the first thing that sticks out to me, well, this game, first of all, is on Saturday at 1030 Eastern time. Um, it's a Pac-12 matchup. So these are always the late games. But uh, we see USC coming in as a favorite for this game. Uh, there, or at least at the time of recording, uh, we see USC at a one-point favorite. Yeah, um, I actually have USC winning this game. Um, we all know the news about their starting quarterback uh, being out for the season and starting the freshman, uh, Keaton Slovis. Um, and the question is, can they overcome this injury? And I think the week after an injury is always the rally week. You want to win for that injured player, especially someone like starting quarterback who last year came out and had a decent season for USC, but he was, he was projected to have a breakout season this year. So that is actually why I'm picking USC to win this game because I believe that they come out motivated and wanting to win for their injured, uh, injured brother, Right, and I think one of the reasons that USC is listed as a favorite is because Stanford's quarterback, K.J. Costello, uh, sat out the second half in their game versus Northwestern last week after a hit to the helmet. Um, so he may not play. Uh, it hasn't been confirmed yet. Um, but you know, nonetheless, uh, I have Stanford winning outright. Um, uh, I, I trust the Stanford team more than a very shaky USC team with a coach who is uh, – looking like he's going to be fired by the end of the year. I think morale is pretty low on this on this squad, um, and I think that Stanford can pull this game out. Yeah, and um, the one thing Stanford has to do, even if their starting quarterback sits out in the concussion protocol, is they have to score more. They only mustered 17 points against the Northwestern team last week. They held them to seven, but I believe that was more Northwestern not being able to score, just not having a good enough offense. Um, no, yeah, and, and we and it was only seventeen to seven because of, and I'm sure everybody saw it, the the fumble at the very end of the game with less than a minute to go by Northwestern. Uh, the quarterback got hit, and he he fumbled the ball backward into the end zone. Stanford recovered, and Stanford covered that game, leaving a lot of Northwestern spread betters very upset. Yeah, and so I really am not high on Stanford. Um, if they win this game and shock, I think, a lot of people, especially the uh, line setters, um, I think they they might have a shot at maybe being a threat in the Pac-12, but I don't see them on the same level as a team like Utah or Washington. No, absolutely not. Um, and even Oregon, for that matter. Um, you know, neither one of these teams really, you know, seem like they're a threat, at least not in recent years. Uh, maybe wait a year until Urban Meyer is making the calls at USC or maybe wait for a couple more seasons until Stanford can um, get a little bit more experience from their squad. And then we might see a contender from either one of these. But uh, for right now, uh, I don't think that either one of these teams is playing for uh, the Pac-12 belt right now. Yeah, definitely not. Um, the only hope is that you know both these starting quarterbacks get healthy as soon as possible because they both look like promising quarterbacks before their injuries. No, that's absolutely right. Um, any more thoughts on this matchup? No, I don't think so. I just think USC pulls out a game. It's going to be like three to six points. It's going to be a very close win. Right. I also think it's a close win. Um, 
you know, USC coming in as a one point favorite. Uh, I don't think that we can see anything more than, you know, either team winning by a touchdown or a field goal. But I do think that Stanford pulls this one out. All right, moving on with our next segment, we have upset of the week. Um, in this segment, you know, it's pretty self-explanatory. Zach and I will each choose an upset that we think that will happen for the upcoming weekend. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, a matchup that we've touched on in our pick six segment, uh, or it can be. You know, most of the time we'll try to refrain from doing that just so we can talk about different matchups. Uh, so let's go ahead and hear your upset of the week, Zach. Yeah, so my upset of the week is BYU over Tennessee. Um, if you listen to our last episode, this is the team that shall not be named. Um, yeah, I can't believe you we said it, really. We, 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 uh, we said we weren't going to address Tennessee, but looking at this matchup, I can see BYU beating Tennessee in Neyland, which would give Tennessee the second straight loss in their home stadium. Um I think the X factor in this game is Zach Wilson, the quarterback for BYU. Um, I think he'll have a rebound game. He had a tough outing against a really good Utah team that that a lot of people are picking to be in the playoffs. Um, two interceptions, no touchdowns, but the kids showed a lot of promise um, last year. So I think he's going to be the X factor. I think facing a good Utah team, BYU found out a lot more about themselves than Tennessee did losing Georgia State like they did. Um, and I think you have to question Tennessee's motivation. Um, the fans already seem checked out. They're selling their tickets. They are calling for everybody's head. Um, and honestly, can it even get much worse for Tennessee's motivation or morale of the of the team? If they lose to BYU, I mean, we could be looking at a 1-11, 0-12 year for Tennessee because I don't know where they win in the SEC if they start out 0-2 and we have kids just completely checked out. Right, and um, I actually agree with you on this one. Uh, I do think the BYU comes into Neyland Stadium this weekend and beats a Tennessee team that hasn't shown much progress <laughs> over the past few years, especially under Coach Jeremy Pruitt. Um, and he hasn't had a ton of time to build this team up at all. Uh, and I'll stick by what I'm what I said last episode in that I think that he may be on the hot seat that he may lose his job at the end of the season, especially um, if this is a team that ends up going one and eleven or zero and twelve. Uh, I don't see a way that you can keep a coach after that. All right, my upset of the week, um, I've got Colorado upsetting number twenty five Nebraska in Boulder, um, and. And if you've listened to any of the past episodes, you know that I'm very, I'm not very hot on Nebraska. Um, I don't see any reason that an eight and four team, from last, I'm sorry, a four and eight team from last season can be ranked, um, even if it is 25 this week. Uh, we saw them struggle last week against South Alabama, um, and I'll try my hardest to not put them as my ups of the week every single week, but. Until they show me that they are actually uh, a decent squad, especially in this uh, Big Ten that is so stacked this season, um, you know it, it's going to be hard for me to not put them as my upset of the week. But uh, uh, you know, at least for this week, I think this is a Colorado team that uh, that it will show up in this rivalry. Uh, I think they'll beat Nebraska pretty soundly. Even um, uh, we saw their win against Colorado State this past weekend. Uh, Nebraska is just not a good team. Uh, we have people saying that Nebraska is their dark horse to win the Big Ten West. 
I just can't see it. I think this is a Nebraska team that may have made a few improvements under uh, Coach Scott Frost, but I don't see any way that they pull out this win against Colorado this week. Yeah, um, I, I actually agree with your pick on this one. I think Colorado pulls it out. I think Nebraska is extremely, extremely overrated. Um, a lot of people are high on them, and I'm not really sure. I, I really don't see what they're looking at. Um, I, I mean, I guess they have some good talent and I really think it comes down to people thinking that outside of Texas and like all these teams, like in the Midwest, Nebraska is right up there as a blue blood type in that Midwestern, like behind Texas and Oklahoma, they think Nebraska out of those few flyover states is a blue blood and they're going to get the recruits. But until they start getting those recruits, I, I think it's. I think it's a little too big of a jump for them. Right. And Nebraska is a blue blood, uh, is a blue blood program. Um, this is a program that was excellent. I mean, even in recent years, uh, but it's not the eighties. It's not the nineties anymore. This isn't a Nebraska team. That's going to be consistently great. They're going to have their down seasons like last year. And I think this year will be another down season for them. Um, I think it's going to get a lot worse than, uh, before it gets better for Nebraska. Uh, I completely agree with that. Um, just a side note, I mean, last time I looked, um, Nebraska actually had better odds to win the national title than Auburn, Washington, and Notre Dame. And that's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I don't know who's making these odds, but uh, <laughs> maybe maybe we should take their job. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I just I, I don't see them being a big. I don't see them being a contender to teams like Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Wisconsin. They're not on that level yet, and I think people are going to see it later in the year when I think some of the problems that plagued them last year are going to start coming up when they start playing big competitions. No, I I definitely agree with that. Um, So we're going to move on from this segment to another segment. that we've that we started just this week. Uh, this is our storyline of the week. So for this segment, what Zach and I will do is that we'll choose a storyline every single week. Uh, it could be anything. Uh, you know, if we would have picked one last week, I probably would have talked about how Hugh Freeze, uh, you know, the coach for Liberty, was coaching from his hospital bed on Saturday. Uh, we may not have known that ahead of time, but uh, he was definitely going through his surgeries uh, last. You know, when, when we recorded last, and so. Uh, it'll be things like that, you know. It could be like that, or it could even be a matchup, um, you know, a really good matchup between teams. Maybe a team seeking out revenge. Uh, but Zach, I'm gonna go ahead and let you get started on this segment. Yeah. So my story of the week actually comes from Paul Feinbaum of ESPN. Um, the story is that he says Jimbo Fisher is a better coach than Davo Sweeney. Um, That's tough. He says Dabo Sweeney just has a better supporting staff than Jimbo Fisher, but if it came down to who's the actual better coach, he would say Jimbo Fisher by leaps and bounds. Yeah, and this is Paul Feinbaum. We have to remember um, a real SEC homer. Uh, you know, and, and Zach and I may come uh, may come off as SEC homers as well, but. We just we aren't that delusional. We we don't think that Jim, or at least I don't think that Jimbo Fisher is a better coach of these two. No, definitely not. Uh, <clears throat> I just don't understand how you not Dabo Sweeney for making better hires than Jimbo Fisher. Um, 
the fact that Davo Sweeney has convinced Brett Venables to stay at Clemson probably four years too long, because I think Brett Venables could have been a coach four years ago, a head coach somewhere in the SEC, in the ACC, in the Big Ten, Big 12. He could have been a coach somewhere. And I know for a fact that Kansas State offered him the job this past year, and he turned it down. Yeah, we see Zach here, uh, our Kansas State insider. Uh, no, but I, I definitely agree with you there. Um, I, Paul, Paul Feinbaum, there, there's something about him. Uh, you know, and I've been listening to Paul Feinbaum since I was pretty young, uh, you know, growing up where I grew up, hearing him on the radio. Uh, man, there's just something about that, man. I, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not a big fan. <laughs> I don't, I, I think, I think a lot of people aren't, and, I mean, I think the matchups that you saw between Davo Sweeney and Jimbo Fisher, especially in the past, in the last like three to four years of Jimbo being at Florida State, says it all. Right, absolutely. Um, man, I I just don't know where to go from there. Um, my storyline of the week is pretty similar. Um, it's not about Paul Feinbaum, uh, but it is about this. Uh, it is about this Clemson team, um, and more specifically, it's about this Texas A&M uh, squad that is seeking revenge on a Clemson team that barely edged them out in last season's uh, matchup. Uh, we see a Clemson team that edged out Texas A&M twenty-eight to twenty-six last season. Um, this is on the backs of a Texas A&M thirteen-point comeback in the fourth quarter, uh, and it was only a two-point conversion that would have brought this game to overtime. Uh, missed two-point conversion by Texas A&M in the last minute of this game. Uh, I think this is going to be a Texas A&M squad that's coming in hot uh, this weekend. Uh, they're coming back with something to prove, um, especially the way that they ended last season. They ended last season very strong, um, and I think that they are on a mission to prove that they are, that they can compete with the likes of Clemson. I agree, and I think you got that vibe from the offensive bombing this week that said that he guarantees a win, um, that he thinks that they're just as talented as Clemson and he will guarantee a win this weekend. And I think that just, that, that just like, I don't know, bleeds confidence. I mean, you just can't say that before a game against Clemson and you not mean it. I mean, I think this team really thinks they are just as good as Clemson and, they think they let one slip slip out of their fingers at home. And I think if they beat Clemson, I mean, this A&M team is going to be a serious contender of the SEC. Right. And even if they aren't as talented as Clemson, uh, this confidence, I mean, this confidence boost can really do uh, numbers on a team. Um, I mean, if you come in believing that you are the better team, uh, you'll perform better. I think that you'll play better. Um, and I think that this matchup, you know, I mentioned it earlier, I think it's pretty close matchup. You know, I, I do, I did predict that Clemson would win. Um, and I think that playing at Death Valley is going to be a big factor for that. I think they're running back. Travis Etienne is going to be a factor for that. Um, and I do think that the Clemson defense is slightly better than the Texas A&M defense, but I mean, watch out for an upset this weekend. Um, you know, I can see it. I don't predict it, but I could see this happening. Yeah. And I, and if it does happen, it's not because I didn't think Texas A&M was good enough. It was more I didn't I, – I thought Clemson was that good. So I totally could see the talent that Texas A&M has pulling it out. But 
I will be very shocked if Clemson doesn't come out motivated and doesn't come out firing on all cylinders. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, moving on, our next segment, our next segment, we're going to do our Big Ten rankings. Uh, so last last episode on our uh, recap of Week One, we did SEC rankings. Uh, you know, we said that we would do other conferences, and so we are. Uh, so we have our Big Ten rankings this week. Uh, we have both conferences ranked. Uh, we have our winners chosen. Uh, Zach, why don't you go ahead and get started with your West? Yeah. So I figured. So I'll, we listened back to the podcast last time, and it was just kind of each of us rambling about why we picked each division and why we picked a certain team. So instead of starting from one, I will start from seven. And I'll give my number seven team, and Brandon will give his number seven team, and we'll talk about why we either agree or disagree on why a team is ranked in a certain position. Um, that way, you guys can figure it out more easily than having to listen to 25 minutes of me ramble what I think about the Big Ten West. <laughs> um, so my number seven team in the Big Ten West is Illinois. Um, and this isn't because I think Illinois is – technically the worst team in the in the Big Ten. It's just I think they're gonna fall victim to playing the like a very, very difficult set schedule. They'll have number seven Michigan, number seventeen Wisconsin. They have to play two straight road games against Michigan State and Iowa. And we all know how good Iowa is at home. They knock off somebody every year. And they also have to play Purdue on the road, which has a lot of talent. So I think the schedule catches up to Illinois, and I really just don't see them having a great talent across this roster. So I think this year they end up at the bottom of the Big Ten West. Right, and I also have Illinois at my seven in the Big Ten West. Um, I think their schedule comes back to bite them this season. I think that uh, is definitely going to play a factor, and I think that they are one of – only two teams in this Big Ten West that could not win this division. Um, I think that the that the division is up in the air for the other five teams, but uh, between number six and number seven, I think Illinois is uh, one half of that duo that could not win this Big Ten West this season. Agreed. Um, I could see most of the other teams. I think there's one or two other teams I can't see winning the big winning this division. I really think there's just um, a team or two that might have this division a lot. Um, but for my number six team, I have Minnesota. I, so just to preface this, I think this team is on an upward trajectory. Um, they've been getting better every year. They have um, they have uh, PJ Fleck as their head coach. He is he was known for being a very very good coach and developing talent. But it's going to take time when you come into a program like Minnesota that had almost no talent when he got here. Um, I think there's some tough games like at Purdue. They have to play Penn State. They have to go to Iowa. And they still have to play Wisconsin in the season. So I think they drop a good bit of those games. Um, They didn't look great against – South Dakota State, they only won by seven, and South Dakota State actually had the lead going into the fourth quarter. So they, it looked a little sloppy, and I think that can come back to bite them when it gets to conference play. 
Right. Um, and I actually have a different number six for this one. Um, you know, you, you heard me talk about them earlier. You probably could have predicted this. My number six in the Big Ten West is Nebraska. Um, <laughs> number 25 ranked Nebraska is coming in second to last in my Big Ten West. And I just don't see any way that this squad pulls out um, pulls out the Big Ten West championship this year. Um, I don't see them fighting for a Big Ten championship this year. Maybe next year uh, they can turn it around. But uh, for this year, I don't think that a team can rebound from going 4-8 and eight last season to struggling against South Alabama in week one. Uh, to winning the Big Ten West, so I have Nebraska ranked at number six. Man, that is that is a hot take. I'm not going to lie to you. Wow. Um, okay. That's what well. I do. I'm <laughs> in the business of hot takes. <laughs> well, at number five, um, uh, do not have Nebraska, so we disagree on that one a lot. At number five, I have Northwestern. Um, they get the unfortunate. Um, I guess, luck of drawing Ohio State as their cross-divisional game this year. And they still have to play on the road at Nebraska and Wisconsin. And they still have to play Iowa. Plus, they've already lost to Stanford this year in that close 17-7 game that we kind of talked about earlier. Um, Their starting quarterback is out indefinitely and could miss the season with a foot injury. Um, that just doesn't bode well for this team. There's still enough talent to keep them from finishing dead last in this division. But I think because of the injury and they've already started off on the wrong foot, I don't see them being able to compete at the top of the Big Ten West. Right. And I have Northwestern also at five in the Big Ten West. Um, uh, same type of reasons, uh, but adding on to that, it doesn't it seem to you like Northwestern is always finishing somewhere around fifth in the Big Ten West? Uh, it, it seems like this team is kind of plagued in a way. Um, they always play pretty well. Um, you know, they're they're not ever a bad team, but they are a team that is very unlucky in my opinion, losing games late. Uh, especially I mean, what happened against Stanford last week and was so unfortunate for them. Uh, but but this seems like a trend. It seems like you can bank on at least one of those kind of matchups every year from the squad, and they always end up somewhere in the middle of the pack of the Big Ten West. Yeah, I agree. I think they're they're subject to mediocrity. They're the Mississippi State of the Big Ten. They are always just going to finish middle of the pack. It looks like. There we go. Uh, um, my number four team is a team I'm actually really high on. It's just that. I don't think the talent is there yet, and that is Purdue. I think Purdue comes in at number four in the um, Big Ten West, and they they all their tough games are on the road. They have to play on the road at Penn State, on the road at Iowa, on the road at Wisconsin, on the road at Northwestern. Um, they've already lost to Nevada to start the season in a close, close game, 34-31. And they get to play Vanderbilt, which is always a tough game. Um, I think that the schedule doesn't line up well for them. They play TCU in the third game of the year. We saw this last year. They got off to a slow start because of some of these difficult games. And they lost their first three games by a total, I think, of like six points or eight points, something like that. And they ended up coming back, getting into a, the bowl game. Music City Bowl got murdered by Auburn. And, but I think they're on a mission. I think Rondell Moore has the argument to be the best player in this conference. And I know that's a hot take, but that kid 
could start on any team in the country, and I think he's going to eventually pick it up. And I think Purdue in the next year to two can maybe compete for this division, but this year I just think their schedule doesn't line up, and they still need more talent around someone like Rondell Moore. Right, and that is a hot take, but I'm going to double down on this one and say that we are in the business of hot takes, so I'm all in on that. Uh, and my number four, I have Minnesota. Um, I think this is a Minnesota team that uh, performed well. I mean, against the South Dakota State team. Uh, you know, even even if it is South Dakota State, uh, they usually fare pretty well. Um, you know, they're not they're not a Division One school, but uh, they 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 always fare pretty well um, in FCS. Uh, I, I also I agree with you when you say that Minnesota's on the up and up. Um, and as I've said in previous episodes, I'm a heart guy, not an analytics guy. And so I have Minnesota ranked at number four this season in the Big Ten West. Yeah. And um, my number three is going to have Brandon uh, about to have an aneurysm over here. I have Nebraska, shook. Oh, here we Nebraska go. at number three. Absolutely um, disgusting. <laughs> Uh, as we all know, Brandon cannot stand Nebraska. They probably should have lost to South Alabama if it wasn't for an ill-timed pick six before halftime that you, that South Alabama dropped. And, you know, we both picked them to lose to Colorado this week. But um, their biggest games are at home this year, and that's a big thing. They get, they get Ohio State at home. They get Wisconsin at home. They get Iowa at home. Every ranked team they play, they get it at home. And their road games are against teams that I think are at the bottom of the division, like Illinois and Maryland and Minnesota. So I think this Nebraska team, even though they're overrated, they're still not trash. So I think they're still going to come in third. They won't they won't push the next two teams to win the division, but they still will have a respectable record and will make a bowl game and. We'll see where they land throughout the season. But I just think that Scott Frost might need another year or two to get this team to where the expectations actually are. Right. Um, Yeah, and I obviously disagree with that, but that's okay. Uh, My number three in the Big Ten West, I have Purdue. Uh, This is a team that's on the up and up. The talent might not be there yet for them to win this Big Ten West conference, but I do think that they are good enough to place third. Um, especially in in a somewhat weak Big Ten West, um, you know it's not super weak. It's not as bad as maybe you know <laughs> as maybe a Group of Five conference, but uh, you know it's 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 not a great division by any means, especially not this year. Um, and so I see Purdue pulling it out, uh, coming in third this season, um, and that's really all I have to say about that. Yeah. Um... So my number two team is the Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, they looked pretty impressive against Miami of Ohio last week, uh, winning 38-14. to 14. They have a pretty weak Rutgers team coming in, coming into their home stadium, Kinnick Stadium, that they should win. They have a tough game against Iowa State on the road in the third week of the season, which could dictate whether the season is on an upward trajectory or they're just going to finish middle of the pack again. And, um they get they get um, Penn State at home, but they do have road trips to Michigan, um, Wisconsin, and Nebraska. Even though I think they probably win one of those, I think those two losses are going to be the 
to Michigan and Wisconsin are going to keep them out of winning this division and getting to the championship game. Right. Uh, I also have Iowa at my number two in the Big Ten West. Um, I think this is a very talented team. Uh, they come out looking very strong last weekend against Miami of Ohio. Uh, I don't see them winning this Big Ten West, and it's not because they're a bad squad. It's because I'm very, very high on my winner um, in this division this uh, this year even. And so uh, Iowa, great team. Uh, love what they do with the Children's Hospital there at the football field. Uh, I'm a heart guy, and so that will win them the number two spot in this division. Uh, yeah, the wave to the hospital is one of the best traditions in college football. Uh, that wins at least seven games alone. Right. Um, so my number one team who I have winning the division is the Wisconsin Badgers. Um, looked absolutely dominant last week. 49 to nothing win on the road in South Florida in primetime on Friday night. As we all know, I was stupid and picked them to lose. Eat those they words. Shall, they, should not, they shall not get slept on anymore, and they are your Big Ten <laughs> They are your Big Ten West champs, um, and I think it's – I mean, they get Michigan at home, which is going to be a great game. They get Michigan State at home as well. They get Iowa at home. Um, I think they can pull out a win with Nebraska on the road, but this uh, matchup against um, Ohio State on the road late in October is going to be a big one, and if Wisconsin can win that game, I think they have playoff aspirations and um, – they they just have to put everything together. The Michigan game is a big um, mark about where this team is. Um, they look very impressive against the South Florida team. But as we all know, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State all have more talent than South Florida. So they need to put it all together. That is true. Um, and obviously, um, I also have Wisconsin number one in this division. Uh, not only that, but I have Wisconsin as my number one in the Big Ten period. I think that Wisconsin comes out Big Ten champions this season. Um, you know, last episode I had them picked to be in my playoff. Uh, I'm very high on this team. I think Jack Cohen is a great quarterback, uh, and not, he's not even the best quarterback on the roster, in my opinion. Jonathan Taylor is an absolute monster of a man. Uh, uh, their offensive line is just a brick wall. I think that Wisconsin has almost a full package this season, and for that reason, I have them winning the Big Ten West and winning the Big Ten overall. Wow, that's that is a bold prediction. Um, hot takes, <laughs> hot takes, guys. Tune in for hot takes every episode. <laughs> um, so now we're going to move to the Big Ten East. So, Brandon, do you want to start off your list? Yeah, I'll go ahead and start um, with my number seven. I have Rutgers. Uh, this is a team that, you know, is pretty historical uh, or is pretty historically not a great team. Um, I can't remember the last time that they finished a season ranked. Uh, and, and for that reason alone, um, I have them ranked dead last in this uh, Big Ten East. Yeah, I also have Rutgers. Not to us, I don't think it's to anyone's surprise. Um, they have a tough matchup this coming up weekend at Iowa. Um, on the road, and then two weeks later have to go to the big house and play Michigan, not voting well. And then they end off the season with three straight games against Ohio State, Michigan State, and Penn State. So the Rutgers, this Rutgers team could be in for a long end of the season, 
and I don't see it starting off at much better. Right. Um, so moving on from there, at number six, I have Indiana. Um, I don't think that really comes as a surprise to anybody else. Uh, I think that, you know, I, I think there's three teams at the bottom of this Big Ten East that aren't really competing for the title. Uh, honestly, I think that there's only two teams that really are competing for this Big Ten East title this year. But uh, definitely out would be Indiana, in my opinion. Um, you know, they're not necessarily a bad team. Um uh, but just competing in this very dominant Big Ten East makes it tough for them. Uh, and so I don't see them pulling any higher than number six. Yeah, I, my number six also have Indiana. The only bright spot on this team is the wide receiver Nick Westbrook. He's a stud. I think it's going to keep this team from uh, ending up in the basement. But when you play in a division like this, you, you always have Michigan State, Ohio State, Michigan and Penn State, and then you also draw a road game against Nebraska, and I just think it's going to keep this Indiana Hoosiers team from competing in this division and the conference in general. Right. Uh, and number five, I have Maryland. Um, you know, we see them last week come off with a very dominant performance, uh, a 79-0 win against Howard, but, you know, we can't forget that they were playing against Howard. So 79-0, is 79-0, but, you know, we can't put a whole lot of weight to that when they're playing Howard. Uh, I don't see Maryland competing with the likes of Penn State, Michigan State, Ohio State, or Michigan this season, and so for that reason, I have them ranked fifth. Yeah, I agree. Uh, very impressive. Um, Bama's offensive coordinator is the new head coach there, Mike Loxley, and I just don't see how they compete they ended up with a horrible stretch of games. Michigan, Ohio State, Nebraska, and Michigan State are the final four games. Um, so they could have a strong beginning of the season. So watch out. They have a chance to be a top 25 team going into November. But I think that death stretch at the end is going to knock them out of contention. And they're going to end up finishing in the bottom half of this division. Right. Um, so at number four, I have Penn State. Um, I think this is a very good Penn State squad this season. Uh, obviously ranked pretty high by AP voters, um, even college football coaches. Uh, but I do see Penn State dropping games to Michigan, Ohio State, and Michigan State this season. Um, and for that reason, I had them ranked fourth. You know, I, I think they're a very middle-of-the-pack team in this Big Ten East. And that's, you know, that's not saying that they're a bad team. This is a very stacked division um, in college football. It's one of the best ones for sure, in my opinion, in all of college football. And so this Penn State team uh, lands at number four in the East for me. I also have Penn State at number four. Um, it's it's just a combination of things. It's playing in a tough division like this. They're very talented, but they're not Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, etc. The loss of Trace McSorley, the loss of Saquon two years ago, I mean, they've – experienced a long like just a deep exodus of talent in the previous years and i think it's going to take another year or two for james franklin to build that back up and for them to compete for a playoff spot right um and number three i have michigan state uh to the surprise of nobody i think there's two teams at the top of this division that are always fighting for that number one spot uh so number three i have michigan state um and I think this is a very good team. Uh, I think it's unfortunate that they drew away games at Ohio State, at Wisconsin, and at Michigan this season. 
uh, which basically throws out any chance that they may have had to pull out an upset against these three squads. Um, I think the best game of these three will be at Wisconsin. Um, you know, obviously, I think this Wisconsin team shows a few weaknesses. Um, I still have them picked as my Big Ten favorite. But uh, for these reasons, I have Michigan State listed at three in this division. So my number three is actually different than yours. I have Ohio State coming in at number three. Okay. Um, I am not totally sold on Justin Fields, as I've stated. Um, I, I really think the loss of Urban Meyer is going to play a role later in the season. I think um, the Michigan State game, the Wisconsin game, and the game at the big house – are all trap games. I see Ohio State losing about three games this year, finishing bottom half of the top 25. Um, I just I need to see some more progress and see if they can keep this talent coming in without Urban Meyer here. So I think they're going to take a step back this year. It's controversial, but I just we saw what happened to Florida when Urban Meyer left. Yeah, that is that is true. Um, so coming rolling at number two for me, I have Ohio State. Um, I don't think they win this division this year. I think that Justin Fields is a great quarterback. Um, I don't think that they can pull out a win against Michigan this season. Um, they're playing at Michigan this year. Uh, Ohio State obviously lost coach Urban Meyer uh, this you know, this past season, and uh, you know for these reasons, I, I think that Ohio State finished the second. Uh, I think it's close in this division. Um, you know, they may have one or two losses on the season. I think that they lose to Michigan. I think they lose to Wisconsin. Um, other than that, they play a fairly easy schedule. Uh, Michigan State could be a tough one, but they are playing at home, and I think they pulled that one out. Uh, you know, but but ultimately, I think they finished second in this division. Yeah, and my number two team is Michigan State. Looks like we had those flipped. Um, I see Michigan State pulling out a win at Ohio State this year, um, and I think they might tie. they both be a two to three loss team, but Michigan State I think will is a better team than Ohio State this year. Um, Michigan State's been right there on the cusp the last few years, and I think this is when they finally make that breakthrough to make a real run. It's just not the right timing because I think Michigan is at their height this year, and um, so. I just I think Michigan State is a very very talented team and has a good chance to compete for a playoff spot, but won't get there. But look out for them in one of the New Year's Six Bowls. Right, um, and obviously both of our winners here. We have the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, I think this is the year that that Jim Harbaugh finally does it. I think that he can beat the Ohio State team um, uh, at Michigan uh, at the Big House this season. Uh, not only that, but I, you know, looking at their schedule, uh, we don't see a ton of tough matchups uh, for this Michigan team. So we see them playing at Wisconsin um, in two weeks. Yeah, in two weeks from now, um, that could be a tough game, pretty shaky. I think the, this Michigan team is very strong. I think that'll be a close game. Uh, but other than that, in the Ohio State game, uh, we see the Notre Dame game. Uh, but that, they are playing that one at the big house as well. Um, I don't see them dropping this game to, uh, in my opinion, a very overrated Notre Dame team. Uh, so for these reasons, I have them as my Big Ten West champs. Um, but I, I think they fall short to Wisconsin. Wisconsin pulls out this division, or not this division, this conference. 
Yeah, I also have Michigan number one. If you listen to the last episode, I have them in my playoff. I think they pull it out this year with the Big Ten. I think they go to the national championship, but comes just short. I think Jim Harbaugh buys himself a little bit more time here at Michigan to keep competing. Um, but I think this is their best chance. They have an off, a great offensive line. Shea Patterson is in his senior year. He should have the experience. They have the defense, so there's no more excuses for Jim Harbaugh, man. This is win the Big Ten or bust. No, that's that's where we disagree still. Um, <laughs> I, I do think that Jim Harbaugh has his uh, job security at an all-time high. Um, even if he can't beat Ohio State this season, I, I don't see Michigan moving on from him. Uh, but there we have it. We have our Big Ten rankings. Uh, that way we can't have any Big Ten fans coming and complaining that we rank the SEC and not them. And so uh, we've got that closed out. Any more thoughts on this Big Ten conference? No, man, I, I think, you know, it's just, it's it's the closest conference to the SEC, in my opinion. You have one conference that has two strong teams at the top and another conference that has four teams that can compete for the playoffs every year. So um, I think it's very similar to the SEC, um, and I think that you'll I, – I really think they get the short end of the stick with the playoffs. I think the Big Ten champs should be in the playoff every year, in my opinion. No, and I absolutely agree. Um, and obviously we see a little bit of tension between the Big Ten and the SEC, whether that be between teams, uh, whether that be between writers. Uh, we see that people who cover the SEC and cover the Big Ten, even fans, uh, we just see a big rivalry between the two conferences. And as an SEC fan or as a, you know, a, a fan of a team in the SEC, uh, I see the Big Ten as the second best conference to the SEC, um, and, and it's pretty close. Um, so that'll wrap up this week. Uh, we want to thank everybody for listening again. Um, it, it means the world to us, uh, you know, getting started out on this podcast this is something that we've been dreaming of for, you know, for, for some time now. Uh, and so we want to thank everybody who listens. Um, so we will be back, um, later this week or the beginning of next week, uh, to release our recap episode of week two. Uh, you know, we'll have our thoughts, opinions. If you listen to our last episode, it'll be pretty similar to that. Uh, we'll break it up into the same segments. Uh, we may switch it up a little bit, but it'll be fairly similar. Um, so we also, uh, we'd like to plug our social media real quick. Uh, we do have an Instagram account. Uh, we're gaining followers, you know, uh, pretty steadily over the past few days. Um, and if you wanted to give us a follow on Instagram, that would be awesome. Uh, it, it, that's going to be at the underscore blue bloods on Instagram. Uh, we should have a Twitter account up soon. So watch for that. Yes. We'll be posting updates on our Instagram. Um, last episode, I mentioned doing a simulcast for us, uh, while we were recording. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out how we're going to do that, but I'll go ahead and commit to this. Once we hit 50 followers on Instagram, I will do our first simulcast episode. Uh, that'll be a live episode. Um, I'll be streaming on Twitter, uh, not on Twitter. I'll be streaming on YouTube. Uh, that way, we can have live questions coming in from our listeners. Um, we'll definitely give updates on when we'll be recording. That way, you guys can be ready uh, with your questions, with whatever. If you have topics for us to talk about, we'll for sure um, touch on those. Uh, and not only that, but we'd love uh, for some feedback on our episodes. Um, you know, this is our third episode ever. 
we still haven't quite figured out everything. We don't know what you guys want to hear. Um, so if there's anything you want to hear, I mean, we're open to suggestions. Uh, our Instagram DMs are open. So feel free to send us a message. Um, reach out to us there. We love to interact with our fans. Um, and besides that, I think that's a wrap. Anything else from you, Zach? Yeah, uh, just be on the lookout. We'll uh, we'll be posting our, ben ten, our Big Ten predictions on there. We'll be posting our pick six um, predictions each week. Um, we're we're right now we're working on trying to get score updates for you guys. So for our pick six game, for our pick six games, we'll post like the score after the game and stuff like that. Um, so we're trying to get new content out to y'all as much as possible. Please don't hesitate to give us feedback on that. What you would like to see us post on social media. Um, give us your opinions on social media. If we, when we post our big 10 predictions, if you are, totally against Brandon on Nebraska and think they are rated perfectly. Let us know. Um, they must not love like, hot takes. <laughs> we, we'd love to hear it. Um, like Brandon said, um, let us know what you guys think, what you guys want to hear. Um, if literally, if you just comment on Instagram and tell us like, Hey, I would love to hear more about the pac 12 or more about this team. Like we will listen. We will, we want to deliver for the fans. So, let us know. Um, also, just make sure if if you have Spotify, you can catch the podcast there. Um, it is on Anchor, which is a free app. You just make an account. You can search Blue Bloods or The Blue Bloods. Pop up either way. Um, just keep listening. Uh, keep subscribing. And we'll keep giving you as much content as possible for us. Right. Um, and we are trying our absolute hardest right now to get our podcast updated are uploaded to Apple Podcasts. Uh, for whatever reason, this is the hardest platform to get our podcast on, and, but it should be up and running pretty soon. Uh, so watch out for that. Um, and besides that, I think that's a wrap. 